It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. I am your host, also one of the certified financial planners on the show. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Yeah, barely made the mainstream news, but the SECURE Act that was signed into law in late December includes significant changes on how you should approach your financial planning and your financial decisions. We're sharing the highlights of the new law and how it should you should change your approach coming up this hour on Wise Money. That's right. The SECURE Act, it is going to impact you. And so we're not going to get real deep into the weeds today, but we're going to be talking about it so that you're aware. And then as uh, more clarity is added to how exactly this will uh, be interpreted, uh, we'll be sharing more. But we're going to hit the highlights today. If you have a question for the show, and no doubt you will, um, or you might have some specific questions about your situation, reach out to us. We'd love to help. You can find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and, or you can call or text 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. If you have needs and questions about your own situation, hey, how does this impact me? You can find us there. Or if you have a question for the show, you can find us there as well, all over social media. Just search The Wise Money Show wherever you're at, we're there too. You can submit questions that way as well. All right. So I, I like how you said that, Kevin, because I mean, the SECURE Act is going to impact your financial life. It is. I, I know that it will because there are that many obscure changes it's not as big as the tax law changes signed into law a couple of years ago, but it's big. However, it's barely hit mainstream media. Yeah. I mean, they're barely talking they about it. They snuck it in there, didn't they? So, and if you really get into the weeds there, there's, um, it was it was thought that this thing was dead and yeah. it wasn't going to go anywhere. And Passed then it was the a, house a while ago. In the summer. Yep. And, then, and then they thought it was dead. And then on like the 17th of December, it was attached to a spending bill and was approved. So Senate approved it on the 19th of December. President signed it on the 20th. All the changes, for the most part, take effect 1-1 of 2020. But because it's our tax laws, there's exceptions to exceptions to exceptions. And um, one other thing, you know, so so this is it's called the Secure Act, but everything's an acronym. So setting every community up for retirement enhancement, which I think is a crack. <laughs> I think is what they call that. They call that a crack. I'm not sure it really accomplished that, but nevertheless, it's the law. So what what does it do, and and how does it impact you? We're going to talk about the top seven changes that are in the Secure Act and how they're going to impact your financial plan. The first bundle all center around required minimum distribution or RMD. So. Um, Josh, what's that first change with RMD? Well, hallelujah, they they changed the age that you have to begin drawing money out of your IRAs and your 401ks at work. If you're uh, work at a nonprofit, your 403b. All these retirement accounts, we've always said that at age 70 and a half or the year that you turn 70 and a half, you have to begin drawing out of those accounts because 
They've gone all these years without being taxed. The government wants to tax you. Now they've bumped the age to 72, a nice round number for a change. I know. I, you know, I kind of enjoy complaining about 70 and a half. <laughs> I suppose I can still complain about 59 and a half. I thought for sure they'd fix that one too. Why not just bump <laughs> it to 60? Good yeah. grief. So, so 70 and a half is no longer the age at which you need to start pulling money out of your pre-tax retirement, retirement accounts. It's actually 72. But it's for those of you that are not yet 70 and a half as of 1231 of 19. So my father, for example, turned 70 and a half just a couple days into 2020. So his new, so he doesn't, he, he was going to be forced to draw money out in, in 2020. And now he gets to delay that until the year he turns 72, which, so it'll be, it'll be next year instead of this year. That's who this matters to, right? Those who maybe have enough income coming in from Social Security and pension income, maybe you have some rental income, that sort of thing, and you've always thought of your IRAs or your retirement accounts as sort of extra money that you'll use in the later years of retirement if necessary. And and maybe it's money that you'll leave behind to the the next generation. But many people uh, really don't want to have to draw the money out. They don't want to get taxed on it. They don't want to be forced to spend it. They don't want to take it out of productive investments. And so now, you know, folks like your dad just got another year and a half of reprieve. And the thing that I would want people to understand, when they th- when people think about uh, the RMD, the required minimum distribution, that is something that is very has been very confusing, at least in my experience as I've talked with folks, because I've had lots of folks that have said, oh, so when I hit 70 and a half, I have to take out all my retirement money. Hmm. And no, the answer is you don't, but it you could easily – I can see how you could easily conclude that because our our system of rules and exceptions is so complicated and convoluted. If you didn't spend your lifetime studying this stuff, it wouldn't make any sense. And, we, and that's what we get to do for a living is sit across the table from uh, reasonably intelligent folks and explain stuff that doesn't make any sense to them. So that's really so. So the seventy and a half rule for starting that required minimum distribution that's gone. That's changed now to age seventy-two, uh, except for a few exceptions. So you think, well, that's good, but but the second big change is coupled with that, and I would argue is not so good, and that yeah. is your required minimum distribution when you're inheriting a retirement account. Yeah, this is a big deal because you know for for my entire career, I've always explained that. If you leave behind an IRA or a Roth IRA to your loved ones, there's a very good chance if they play their cards right and if they have a a uh, forward-looking approach to their finances, they could spread that money out over their entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. So not only was it tax-sheltered and protected during your working career and your retirement, but now it could be stretched out over their whole lifetime, and they pull out a a bite-sized amount each year over many, many years, decades even. A required minimum distribution stretched out over their entire life. So they just, they could take out as much as they want, but they had to take out just a little bit. And it was just a little bit because it was stretched out over their lifetime. Well, that's changed in the new law for non-spouse beneficiaries. So if you leave it, if you if you leave your retirement account to your spouse, it's still same old rules. You don't need to, it doesn't force them to start drawing it out. They could elect to. Yeah, and there are, there are actually four groups as long as you're going to yeah. say spouse, spouse, disabled, disabled, chronically ill, and individuals who are not more than 10 years younger than the decedent. Yep. 
For everyone else, you now have to withdraw all the money within 10 years. So this stretch IRA idea that Josh was explaining, that's for the most part gone. And it's now a 10-year rule. Now, that's bad news, I would say. Um, the little bit of flexibility they gave you, though, is you don't have to take out a little bit every year over those 10 years. You can decide how much you want to take out, but the account needs to be empty within 10 years. That's so. awesome. Yep. All right. The third big change within the SECURE Act also ties to required minimum distribution, and this one is extremely confusing. We're going to devote an entire show to this simply because the qualified charitable donation is such a big tax planning strategy. But there's, they kept a little bit the same. They made a couple changes. By and large, here's, here's the confusing thing. So we told you that one of the big changes, they moved the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. Well, if you wanted to take money out of your IRA and donate it directly to a charity, you were allowed to do so in a tax-advantaged way once you turned age 70 and a half, and you could use your required minimum distribution to do it. So, great idea. Well, when they move the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72, does that mean this qualified charitable donation is now moved to 72? No. So the good news is you can still do a, a you can donate money directly from your IRA to a charity directly and have it be tax advantaged as soon as you turn 70 and a half. You just need to watch out for any post 70 and a half IRA contributions. It also means you can still complain, Mike, about <laughs> okay, age 70 and a half. It's still intact. <laughs> oh, thank man. you. What were you going to say, Kevin? No, I, I, I think it, what you should know is if you are 70 and a half and you have retirement money and that money is, and you do any kind of charitable gifting at all, that money needs to go directly from your IRA to the charity. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Make that happen. That's right. And so that's the third change or, or thing you need to be aware of with the SECURE Act. And that ties nicely into the fourth change, which we're going to hit in a second, because this qualified charitable donation strategy now has a caveat with this next change that we're going to talk about. So that and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. What is the SECURE Act and how will it impact you? It's not if it will impact you, it's how it will impact you. That's what we're talking about today. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to the attorneys at South Bank Legal. In fact, some of the what we're talking about is estate planning and connects with legal stuff and and we are very familiar with the folks over at South Bank Legal. I'd encourage you to check them out for any of your legal needs, estate planning needs. And then also thanks to First State Bank for sponsoring the content of, to, of today's show. To stay up to date on all Wise Money content, you'll find us online, wisemoneyshow.com. And then wherever you're at on social media, we are there too. Just search the Wise Money Show. Make sure you follow us there to stay up to date. All right. So we're talking about the seven big changes that will impact you in your financial plan, your financial life uh, from the SECURE Act. The fourth big change within the SECURE Act is they've made a change with the age limit 
on IRA contributions. So what was it and what's the new law? Yeah, many may not realize that there ever was an age limit because you may think, well, boy, when I get to retirement age, I'm done working, so I'm done saving into an IRA. Who cares if there's a cap on the on the age? Well, it's been 70 and a half, and it has impacted some folks who get out there and they're maybe working part-time during retirement. And if for tax planning purposes, you want to fund an IRA, unfortunately in the past at age 70 and a half, you were capped. You, you no crazy? longer were allowed to. You you could fund a simple IRA. You could fund a 401k. You could fund a Roth. It was just for some reason there was this age discrimination. <laughs> I'm going to throw it out You're there because we're all being oppressed. Victim, right? we, are always, we are all oppressed uh, with this IRA contribution. And you know, some of the spirit of this law, some of the changes were around, well, we've got an aging workforce and more and more people are going to be working into their 70s. Therefore, let's push RMD back a little bit and let's remove this age limit on funding an IRA. I, so I, I I like that. I mean, it it makes it a little simpler because this it's does, now in line yeah. with Roths and, and, um, and 401ks, but no more age limit. The limit, though, that still applies is earned income. That's right. You have to have paycheck money, in other words, or some sort of side job that you're earning self-employed income. But it's it's got to be like wage type income. Interest that you earn on your bank accounts doesn't count, for example. Social security does not count. Your pension doesn't count. That's right. Capital gains do not count. Yeah. So you have to have earned, think W-2. Now it could be self-employed income, but just think W-2. And, you know, it's interesting because this this show is kind of billed as, hey, everyone needs to be listening in and this uh, applies to you. You might say, wait a minute, I'm nowhere near 70. And when I'm 70, I don't plan on working. Well, um, the, you might know someone mm-hmm. who's in their 70s who might have uh, extra cash or cash flow. And so they might want to put money into a traditional deductible IRA. Mm-hmm. You know, there's one more little obscure piece of this law. It doesn't qualify as one of our top seven or anything, but I'm going to tuck it in because we're talking about earned income. Some of our listeners may have a son or a daughter who's in graduate school and maybe earning some sort of a stipend or, or some sort of a fellowship. And in the past, that was not treated as earned income. It wasn't considered paycheck money for the purposes of funding an IRA or Roth IRA. Now it will be. And I don't know who this will apply to because, Mm -hmm. you know, most people who are starving their way through medical school or something like that, do they really have the money to be funding something like a Roth IRA? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's gifted money. Maybe it's, you know, money they receive from an inheritance or something. I I don't know how this will apply, but it's something you want to have on your radar screen, or at least your certified financial planner needs to. That's right. One other just honorable mention here, and we'll probably have it in a full show uh, in the future, but that qualified charitable donation we talked about earlier, just know that there is an offset within the new plan for any IRA contributions that you make after age 70 and a half. You've got to factor that in and offset that with your qualified charitable donation. So very confusing. We're not going to get into all the laws. Just know that that needs to be handled with care. And there is there is um, there's a rule that makes sure that there isn't abuse of that law come that age. So, all right. The fifth big change within the Secure Act, and, and here in Indiana, 
this could be a really big deal that might force other legislative changes. And that is that you can now use up to $10,000 a year from your 529 plan to pay off student loans. Now, just before, I can see Josh is waiting to, to make a comment here, but I actually like this one. I get this question a lot. The 529 plan was for college, and then they changed it and made it for a whole bunch of other things. But, well, can I use it to pay off someone's student loans or help pay down someone's student loans? I always hated that that answer was no. Yeah. And now they've said, well, no, the answer is yes, up to ten grand a year. Well, yeah. it takes away some of the risk of you getting too much money stranded in a 529 plan where you're going to have to pull it out and maybe pay some taxes and potentially even some penalties on the growth in the account because maybe maybe you were overfunded, which would be wonderful. Um, circumstances like that, it, they're less likely to have student loans, I would think. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is an interesting one because what, what I wonder is, Does it make it so that now you want to be funding the 529 plan even beyond the college years? And here in Indiana, we've always said that when you contribute to a 529 plan in this state, you're qualifying for an amazing tax credit. You you hear us talk about it all the time. We love it. And is this maybe now an excuse to uh, overfund or to keep on contributing to these accounts, may- maybe your son or daughter starts funding their own 529 plan so that when they start making their college loan payments, they're doing it at least with some some money that's already saved uh, a tax credit. And this actually might make the case if you're potentially overfunded. And if you're listening to this and say, how in the world could you be overfunded for college? Yeah. <laughs> it's possible. Yep, I mean, you could you could be saving money for your three kids your, your, as long as they've been born. And one of them could go in the military and another one could go on an ROTC scholarship. And the next thing you know, you're like, what are we going to do with this, with, with this money? So, But what you could do is you could get loans on purpose – educational loans and pay them off. I when I was going when I, I was in the National Guard, I had $20,000 of student loan repayment. And this was 3972 it was a long time ago, but th- that's when they didn't have great loan programs, but I got every penny of loan that I could because the National Guard paid it off for me. Yeah, you just got to be careful listening to that. It just, just don't don't uh, don't turn the channel right as he said. <laughs> Take every as amount of loan as you, as you can. But it does no. There, but the, it it what it does is it makes the case that you have to have a strategy. Correct. You have to have a plan. And you say, well, does this apply to me or not? Well, I don't know. Do you like putting five thousand dollars in, getting a thousand dollar credit, and and paying off? Uh, your student loan or your kid's student loan. Be careful. I mean, Josh, for every gimme, there's a gotcha. You know, Josh is saying, hey, have your kids put the money in. Well, they can only deduct, uh, they can only get the credit for what is what they owe for the state part of their taxes. Here's where my mind was going, though. This is after they've graduated, they're working full time. Oh, sure. Time, oh, yeah, yeah. And For it's sure. time to start making payments. Why not funnel it through the 529 plan in Indiana Absolutely. on its way to the loan? My prediction is Indiana is going to change they've, their They're going to have to. Right yeah. now, um, Michigan offers a deduction, not a credit, on your 529 contributions, but they, it's, it's, they, they net all 
ins and outs for the entire year. It's your net contribution that you get a deduction for. So you put 10 in, you take 10 out, you don't get any tax benefit for that. In Indiana, <laughs> Shake it all you about. do. It depends. So, <laughs> so. We've, we've always said this is a tax loophole in Indiana, yeah. and we've wondered for years, when are they going to close this thing? Well, it just so happens that this federal law just made the loophole even bigger. Yeah, and it's possible that that wakes them up and they end up making a change. But Kevin's right. You need to have a strategy. And for a lot of folks, you know, the idea of having overfunded college doesn't really resonate. I think for more of you, it could it could say, well, I've been willing to help with five grand a year, and then the student pays for some, and the student get loan it gets loans. Well, now you can st- still use the five twenty nine after they've graduated to help pay some of those loans. All right, we still haven't touched the real purpose of the Secure Act, so lots of changes embedded in there that we're going to hit. And then great questions from fans of the show. That and more coming up here on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. How does the new SECURE Act impact you? We're talking about that right now. We've got our top seven ways that the SECURE Act will change your financial plan. We're through the first five, number six and seven coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being with us. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Thank you to Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes team for making the Wise Money Show possible. Speaking of, the Wise Money Show is on the Wise Money Show channel on YouTube. If you're not already a subscriber, I'd encourage you to check us out there. Subscribe to it and turn that notification on so that you're notified every time we have a new episode of the Wise Money Show, but also vlogs and other informational videos designed to help you take your next wise step in your financial life. So go to YouTube, check out the Wise Money Show there. All right. The sixth big change that's impacting your financial life within the SECURE Act is you're now able to take a penalty-free withdrawal from your retirement account for having a child or for adopting a child. That's right. And there's a limitation on this. It's the it's $5,000 that you can pull out of your IRA and not pay the 10% penalty. So right really quick, and it, you know this, it, the SECURE Act is really new. The IRS still needs to interpret a lot of things. So this is we're, we're not trying to get into the weeds. However, in the weeds, I actually heard this was per person, not per tax return. So if you're married, true. if you're yeah. married, you could technically, you could each take 5,000 because I, in IRA is for the individual. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Now, basically what they're doing is they're just adding an additional circumstance where you may be eligible to take a withdrawal from your IRA before you've even reached retirement age. We've always said that until you've reached age 59 and a half, when you pull money out of the IRA, you're going to pay taxes to the federal government, taxes to the state and local government, and then a 10% penalty on top unless certain circumstances exist for you. And it's things like you died and your beneficiaries are pulling money out or you're disabled. It could be for uh, qualified medical expenses or even health insurance. 
even things like being a first-time home buyer yeah. or for education expenses, those have always been there and they still exist. Now there's an additional one or two here with adoption or giving birth to a child. Now, we each have three kids, coincidentally, and so we each could have been impacted had this law been in place. However, let me go back to what the SECURE Act stands for. Yes. <laughs> Setting every community up for retirement and enhancement. Within the whole act that's to help you retire, they're allowing you to pull money out of your retirement account for, for having kids. It doesn't quite make sense to me. I'm not going to argue with it, but doesn't quite make It sense. doesn't make a bit of sense to me, actually. But um, So you're, you're being nice. I, you think about the future value of that $5,000. If instead of pulling it out when you're 30 years old and having a child or adopting, you left that same $5,000 intact to grow for two or three or four more decades. Right. Maybe even longer. Maybe the, that 5000 was going to be there till you're 80, for all we know. Think about what you're actually pulling up out of the ground. That, that mighty oak tree out there in the future is a sapling today, and you just yanked it up by the roots. Yeah, unless you've got, uh, you've got an extra sapling. And then yank, baby, yank. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the thing because, you know, in the last segment, I was talking about how when I was going through college, I got, I took out as many loans as I could. It wasn't very much. I think I ended up getting like, I don't know, six or $8,000 over the course of a four year time frame, which was a lot of money back then. Uh, let me tell you. But, I mean, if you have your retirement overfunded, taking five grand out, is win, 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 win. Because you didn't pay taxes on that money going in. You don't pay taxes on it coming out. Well, it's you penalty. Taxes, not penalty, though. <clears throat> That's yeah, what I correct, said. Correct. So you you, <laughs> ha- you don't have the the uh, the 10% penalty. That's right. um, it, 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 it could be a big advantage for you. Now, a couple other things that, again, we're not going to try to get into the weeds. But, well, so you find out you're pregnant. Can you pull five grand out to help with the medical costs? No. You, you've got a year after the event to pull the money back out. And then what if you pull the money back out and then you win the lottery? I don't know the time stipulation, yet. I don't think they've even released it, but you could actually put this money back in to your IRA or your qualified retirement account over and above the annual contribution limit. So you could actually put this money back in. But again, they haven't told us what the time frame is to do it. Man, can so. you imagine being an HR manager right now, <laughs> listening to that? Okay, speaking of, all right, this the whole the whole purpose of the Secure Act, and you could even argue the reason it was passed in the first place was lobbyists around some changes that they wanted to make to four hundred one ks and retirement plans. You could argue that if you're. Uh, into conspiracy theories, but tons of changes relating to how your 401k might operate at work. I lumped them all into this seventh big change within the SECURE Act. And we're not going to get into the weeds, but Kevin, you're very involved with the retirement plan service that we offer here at Corhorn Financial Group. So if you have a small business or you have a 401k, if, you, if you're not working with someone to get great advice and get great help, you need to. And we're, we could certainly help you. And you want to make sure that these new laws within the SECURE Act, um, you're benefiting from them. So let's talk about some of the changes embedded here. Well, one of the things that they've done, and again, so what, what if we hit the, you know, we've hit the idea of 
taking out loans because you can then pull out extra 529 plan money and paying that off. We've ta- we've talked about taking money out of your retirement plan uh, to pay to fund your adoption. Um, and now we're going to talk. We're going to break out the A word and say, "Hey, you could now have an annuity yeah. in your 401k." And so, um, the the people who have bashed, the, who have made a career out of bashing annuities, are, are, are you know are having heart palpitations at the moment. <laughs> but but the truth is, an annuity, as we've always seen, an annuity is just a tool. Right. So you look at that and you say, well, if I need a hammer or I need a screwdriver, what do I need? What's the tool that I need? And then is it a quality tool? Because I know this, you can you can buy tools, you know, the cheap tools uh, at, at Menards or toward, on the bottom shelf right where you can see them. They're easy to reach. The more expensive tools um, that aren't Menards brand labeled are, are harder to reach. Yeah, yeah. And so – so this is where there's going to have to be some decisions that get made by the plan administrators. And this is where, to your point, Mike, you definitely want to be working with someone, your plan advisor. Um, if you haven't you know, done a benchmarking in the last couple of years, if you um, don't have someone advising you, you, this is going to make it so that you're going to need to, because I do believe with the um, allowance for uh, multiple employer plans, that's going to expand this. Um, the multiple employer plan is a great concept. I don't know if it will make it beyond a great concept. Yeah. But basically, the idea is that if I have a plan, if the three of us all had separate companies and we all wanted a plan, I could have a plan. Josh could bolt onto that plan. Mike could bolt onto that plan. And there are some cost savings that we would realize by the three of us participating in one plan. So in theory, the expenses of one plan would be shared by the three of us, making it a, a much better deal. So the... So the Secure Act came in, and and with those two things that you mentioned, Kevin, mm-hmm. it basically loosened up some of the liability for four hundred one ks to offer annuities within their four hundred one k, and 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 we're thinking that that will lead to more more four hundred one ks being annuities or having annuities within them. And then the law also didn't go as far as what many people were hoping, but also um, encouraged companies to use multiple employer plans would provide some scale there. So, Or even just incentives to set up their own plan. Even, right. right? Yep. The one that may have an impact on you personally is your 401k may have an automatic enrollment feature built into it, which means when you're eligible, you're in. And they're going to start pulling money out of your paycheck, whether you ask them to or not. In fact, you've got to ask them not to if, if for some reason you think you shouldn't be. But also uh, another feature is an automatic escalation or an increase to that contribution every single year. It used to just keep going up 1% per year until you hit 10. Now right. it's 15. And we're going to pick right back up on that as well and, and wrap up these changes with the SECURE Act. So that and more coming up here on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group.
This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. The Wise Money Show is brought to you by the attorneys at South Bank Legal, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Homes Team, and Bethel University Adult and Graduate Studies. How does the five-year rule work with Roth 401ks and Roth IRAs? That was bonus content if you've been watching the, the YouTube channel. We got a great question from a fan of the show. We're going to hit that coming up. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. Here with me in the KF2 studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. If you listen to podcasts, you'll find the Wise Money Show on podcasts. Just wherever you listen, whether that's iTunes or Google Play or wherever, just search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it, rate the show, leave a comment, and then you can listen to every episode of the Wise Money Show right there at your convenience whenever you'd like. All right, this entire episode, we've been talking about the sweeping financial changes within the SECURE Act. Not as big of changes as the tax law changes we saw a couple years ago, but still, this thing is massive, and it will impact your financial plan. Not each of these areas will impact, but at least, there's at least one, if not a couple, that will impact your financial life. We've been hitting the top seven changes from the SECURE Act. We're in the middle of the seventh, and that is there's a whole bunch of changes within the SECURE Act that relate to your retirement plan at work. Josh, we were leaving off on the auto enrollment and auto escalation. So summarize that change again for us. Yeah, I was sharing that this may be one that applies to you directly if the 401k or retirement plan at work has an automatic feature that essentially defaults to have you join the plan at at a certain milestone, certain number of months or hours worked or whatever, you may automatically be enrolled. And and surely your human resource department or the management of your organization would be warning you of that. But also built in, usually, is some sort of an automatic escalation in what your contributions would be. So for example, when you're automatically enrolled, they might start you at 5% and every year after increase it by 1%. All the way up to 10% was how the prior rules were were structured. Now, they're going to keep on ratcheting it up until you reach 15% or until you stop it yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it's something to pay attention to. We would argue that you know, this is theoretically a good thing to be doing anyway. It's something that we encourage our clients to be slowly pushing up until you get to the right level of contributions for your retirement plan to be sustainable and fully funded. Don't auto-enroll. If, you're for, if, if, you, if you are a plan sponsor, which is geek speak for if you run a small business and have a 401k, yeah, have the auto-enroll feature. There's tax benefits to have it. But you as the participant, you as the employee, don't auto-enroll. Sign up yourself and elect the right contribution from the start. Start at 15%. Don't wait and let it auto-escalate over the next 10 years to get you there. Sign up yourself and start with the right contribution limit and, or start with the right (sighs) contribution amount. And by enrolling yourself, you will be able to pick your own investment instead of getting the QDIA, which is the default option if you auto-enroll. So I, I, I guess I'm glad that they're there but you're listening to a show about wise financial principles, it's not wise to just let stuff automatically happen. Go in and take your next wise step, enroll yourself, select the right contribution amount, and select the right investment. I want to say that differently, though. Okay. 
it is wise for things to automatically happen in your financial life if you set them up with intention to automatically happen. That's what we love about the 401k is you make the decision on the right amount to contribute and the right mix of investments, and then it is on autopilot, but it's an autopilot that you designed for yourself oh, instead of one that was just kind of forced on you. Yeah, because yeah, I'd like to say it differently as well. Nope. Um, <laughs> Josh already did. <laughs> no, but in, in the... Uh, retirement plans world that all of the buzz, all of the talk is about employee outcomes, which that's why, what uh, retirement plans exist for. But you're right. You could create a solution that um, isn't, is, isn't going to solve the problem. And I do think, you know, if, if you just heard Mike say, sign up and put 15% in and you, that triggered your, gra- your gag reflex, sign up and put 5% in, that would likely capture whatever company match you're having. But do sign up for the auto escalation and do pay attention to these things because this is going to, this is going to likely be the most powerful wealth-building tool that you're ever going to have. Yeah. And they, they've extended this, this powerful wealth-building tool now. Even um, I think of seasonal folks around here. I think of people that might work um, – I have a good friend that works at Crystal Mountain, and so he's part-time every year. And it used to be, the, the, the way it used to be was that if you have to, if you have to work 1,000 hours uh, a certain number of years, a year or a certain number of years to be eligible, well, he never had the 1,000 hours. Well, now they've made it so that you have to work 500 hours three years in a row. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, now you're eligible. And here's where here's where it's going to trip people up. There are a lot of employers that are going to say, "Well, listen, you know, Mike's been working the ski lift for four years now, but um, you know, he's living paycheck to paycheck, so there's no way he's going to want to uh, contribute." Look, if you if you're not dotting your I's and crossing the T's and making sure that you've offered the plan to Mike and right. done all the, the right things, you're going – this creates a few more potential um, – Pitfalls. Yeah, yeah, pitfalls or or just some more work for um, the HR person to do. This is in theory for small businesses. Most small businesses don't have an HR department. Make sure if you're a small business offering a 401k plan or considering it, make sure you're working with a great advisor. We – have a full department that helps with your helps your small business with your retirement plan. Okay, setting every community up for retirement enhancement. That's the law. Don't rely on the law. With all these changes, go talk to your certified financial planner to figure out how does this change your strategy? How does this change your approach? Are there any adjustments that you need to make? The only way to apply this to your specific situation is through a comprehensive financial planning relationship, something we call one plan. Don't rely on the law to tell you that your retirement's secure. Go out and make sure you apply the right stuff to your specific situation and so that you're on track. All right, we've got a great question from a fan of the show that I got to sneak in here. It's from Tim. He left it on the YouTube channel. And basically, he says, hey, if you have a Roth 401k, can you withdraw the money at age 59 and a half without any five-year look back. I'm not, I'm not talking about a Roth conversion. I'm talking about contribution. And so, Tim, this is a confusing question. We've, we've addressed this on, the, on different shows a couple of times, but it's the five-year rule relating to Roth accounts. 
Josh, do you want to jump sure. in and take it from yeah. here? Uh, the, th- the thing you need to understand about Roth IRAs and Roth 401ks is the money that you've contributed to the plan, to, to a Roth IRA, for example, you can pull out tax-free, penalty-free anytime you want, okay? Because that's the money that you put in. You already paid tax on that money before it went into the plan. But what about the growth? What about the, the interest and the dividends and everything that's been accumulating during that time? That rule is at age 59 and a half, with the account being open at least five years, that's the part that always gets dropped off, that right. five-year rule. With that account open five years, you can pull the growth out tax-free, penalty-free as well. But what if you didn't start contributing to a Roth 401k, for example, until right before retirement? What, what if you started at 58 and then you retire and you need to get access to that money? Unfortunately, because the account wasn't open for at least five years, you may be in that tax and penalty situation just on the growth piece. Or you'd have to wait. The the thing that uh, I so I initially replied to Tim right away to the YouTube um, to this question, and I'm gonna I'm gonna update it because the if you have a Roth 401k but you don't have a Roth IRA and you've been been contributing to your Roth 401k all these years and maybe that's been well beyond the five year rule so you're good but then you retire and you move your Roth 401k over to a Roth IRA but you've never had a Roth IRA before. That starts a new five-year wait, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that yeah. is ridiculous. So the big, the 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 big action item here is you've got this weird, and I'm just going to say it, ridiculous five-year rule with having a Roth IRA. So if you if you're eligible to have one and you don't, just take take fifty bucks and put it in a Roth IRA right now, so that you. Because it's not each Roth IRA account needs to be open for five years. It's just that you have to have had a Roth IRA, any Roth IRA, for five years. Ridiculous. But great question, Tim. That is confusing. We're going to keep talking about it here on the Wise Money Show, but great question. All right. That's all the time we have. I hope today's discussion has helped you with the SECURE Act. But on behalf of Josh, Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, myself, and all of us at Corhorn Financial Group, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.